Good morning, Nigel. Yes, sir. Morning, sir. Suppose we'll go into the intro. Yes, sir. Are you ready for your big read? Yes, sir. Douglas Day. Today's episode is brought to you by The 12 Steps to Natural Gardening by Al Crowder. Today's episode will focus on Chapter 13 From Part 2 Alabaster Dreams Of the novel Hard Water Today's chapter will be read by My colleague And associate Sound man Extraordinaire Nigel Stevenson. about this chapter? Well, sir, I'd like to focus on the tenderness, the tender relationship between Arthur and Ruth. And Ruth is the... The young farm girl, sir. Yes, yes, there is a certain tenderness. Yes, sir, and also I'd like to focus on the musicality of, of, the, of the language. Hmm, well, Nigel, you're on whenever you're ready. Thank you, sir. Chapter 13 of Part 2, Alabaster Dreams of Hard Water Ruth came to me at night, but Goodall stayed put in his hay igloo up in the loft. Two days we went back to the stream for red clay therapy when the sun heated up. Nights through a frost and I worried about Goodall, but Ruth had brought him an old horse blanket he wrapped around himself like an Indian chief. Thanksgiving Ruth came to my bedroom with a plate of vittles, turkey leg, giblet, and liver stuffing, sweet potatoes, and collard greens. She set the plate on the bedside table next to the gleaming candle and said, This is what we ate tonight. This is what we're thankful for. And she said, I'm thankful for so many things. Pepper, the calf. I'm thankful for his friskiness that keeps me on my toes, my parents, even though they wallop me some. The memory of my brothers, who were truly good boys. No ruffians like some of these farm boys round here. This house, this shelter, this meal. She stopped. She began to whisper. 
I have to be careful. Mama and Papa don't like me in this room, so I got to talk real low. Yes, she whispered. They're coming up soon, so I better hightail it back to my room. I'll come back later for a visit. I sat on the bed and stared at the plate of food and then lay back on the bed and drowsed and thought about my own Thanksgiving. Thankful I'm still here and able to appreciate love and beauty even after all the hell I witnessed. Thankful some of that hell is letting me be and thankful I'm starting to appreciate those times of respite because I've learned the hellish grips can grab me and tussle my mind up into raging rags of torn guts, petrified screeches, and burning nostril scent at any given moment. Hell's bells, I call it. And I'm thankful for this child and for this feather bed and for this bedroom. I see now it's part of the healing. And she comes back. Mama and Papa are in bed and they done checked on me so I'm free. She looks at the plate down at my belly and back up at me. So what are you thinking about? I was just giving thanks for how God and you and this place are helping me heal. That's nice. Most boys or men who come through here leave a little bit more fixed up. The key is to talk about it, to relive it in some way while you're here and safe. Do you feel safe? I do. I done forgot to ask what's your name. Arthur. That's a new one. Where are you from, Arthur? Cincinnati. Oh, I've heard of that town. Outside, really, on a farm. What kind of crops you pull? Well, we grow some corn, but mostly I'm cultivating a peach orchard. We planted them eight years ago and when I was still a youngin and before I left my mama said, this is the year the trees are going to bear fruit. No dairy, a few head, nothing like raw milk. Indeed. Indeed, you're the first soldier ever used that word. Indeed, I repeat. Indeed, she laughs. She pauses. How old are you, by the way? Wait, let me guess, twenty, twenty-one? Indeed. Yep. Most of the boys who come through here are about that age. I reckon the oldest soldier we ever had was 38. Now, the oldest man I ever hosted was 102. 102 and still alive? Yep, an old mason. He repaired our stone wall in the upper pasture. Should have heard how Papa grunted. Didn't know who repaired it. Figured it was some loony soldier on the run, but it was this old timer. He lay just where you're laying and held up his hands and rotated them in the candlelight again and again and he spun them around slowly in front of his face as if he was remembering all the stones he'd lifted, weighed, and placed. He said, Every stone has an inborn spirit, an essence, a glow. He said, Let me tell you, little lady, the stones don't lie. She brought her hand up to her golden hair and flipped the long strands back over her shoulder. She was bringing me peace. But I worried about Goodall. I went back to the barn one night and I could hear the muffled cries of him fighting his muffled demons. I could feel some progress with my own self when I told the farm girl about the killing I'd done. And I told her about the pain I'd suffered. And I told her about how much I miss my fiancé, also named Ruth. And I told her about the guilt of leaving and she had this to say. But don't you think everybody has guilt? You think so? Everybody? I think almost everybody, I reckon anybody without it might just be the most selfish person on earth or crazy or just plain mean. So let some of that guilt go or accept some of it but not all of it. Be easier on yourself. Look, if you've done something bad, atone for it. But at a certain point you got to put a stop to atoning so you can go on with your life. Whatever it is, it's enough without weighing yourself down with a bucket of guilt, ain't it? I went down to the barn the next morning and I tried to lay the same speech on Goodall. 
It fell on deaf ears. About mid-morning, we trundled down the hayloft ladder and slipped out the back of the barn past the sunken-in body of the stillborn calf. We dodged cow pies in the pasture. The purple thistles drank up the morning sun. We got to the far end and climbed over the fence gate and walked further into the deep stand of pines until we reached a clearing. The long grass was matted down in muted circles where deer had slept. Scattered grass feathers littered the ground where a fox had struck. I always love foxes, said Goodall. Just doing what they're best at, W.R. Just doing what they're best at, he repeated. Slowly. You're right, Arthur. That's what's most important. One of the most important things. Find out what you're best at and do that. And by the way, Goodall, this little gal Ruth at the farm here, she listens and she sees things clearly and she can help you. And you should come tonight and get out of that godforsaken igloo. You ain't letting any of the air out of that box so your demons cling like bats and when the sun goes down they swoop and tear at you anew. You try to crush them, but there's too many of them. They've reproduced amongst themselves and you can swat some, sure, but spiritually you weaken because you are swatting rather than sharing your pain. Cap it. That's enough, said Goodall. I'll come tonight. I'll come and talk to the girl. I'll come inside the house and talk to her. Good, I said. We leaned against each other in the greenish pasture and looked down at the strewn mess of roughed grass feathers. We wondered about the fox that got it. We pictured the jaws and paws clamping down, eclipsing the doomed bird's desperate Upswing into the empty This has been Douglas Day with Booksmart with thanks again to our reader for today, Mr. Nigel Stevenson. Until next time, peace.